There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Welcome, and thank you for joining us again on WCN-TV. I'm Rob Pugh, your host, and I'm here to tell you the truth. I should probably uh, clarify that a little bit. You see, unlike the mainstream media, I have nothing to gain by pushing propaganda and brainwashing on you. But these days, we also need to be on the lookout for the alternative media, because many times things that may sound true or that might advance our personal beliefs on a particular topic are not true either. Alt media these days uh, seems to be steeped in a lot of what they call fear porn or clickbait. I can't tell you the number of emails that I get in my inbox every day, every single day, with a huge headline that says things like, breaking news, bombshell, they use that one a lot. Um, This will finally send Fauci to prison. You know, that puppy thing might actually do that this time, because he can maim and kill as many people as he wants, but you don't dare mess with a puppy. Anyway, when you open up these emails after going through about 15 ads, you find out the story is nothing more than hyped-up tidbits of old news or a flat-out made-up story with no facts or solid information at all. So fear porn and clickbait has become big business now, too. But this show will never be like that. Like I said, I'm here to tell you the truth, and we've had some excellent guests on, America's top researchers and experts here on WCN-TV, and today is no exception. Today, I'm happy to welcome to our program our panel of two of our Wisconsin Christian News writers, our good friends Doug Hagman of the Hagman Report and Coach Dave Daubenmeyer of Past Assault Ministries. Welcome, guys. Welcome, Doug. I can see Doug. I can't see Dave, but... Thanks for for having me, Rob. Appreciate appreciate being here. it's, uh, It's a privilege to have you. And our guest today is John Whitehead. John is a constitutional attorney and author, and he founded the Rutherford Institute in 1982. They're one of the nation's leading advocates of civil liberties and human rights, litigating in the courts and educating the public on a wide spectrum of issues affecting individual freedom in the U.S. and around the world. If you haven't seen him on national media, then you've probably been living under a rock somewhere. He also writes a weekly commentary distributed nationwide, And he's authored more than 30 books, including Battlefield America, The War on the American People, and A Government of Wolves, The Emerging American Police State. You can see him there on your screen. Today, we're going to be talking about something that should concern us all. You may think that the idea of concentration camps here in America is pretty far-fetched. American citizens being locked up in concentration camps. Nothing more than a conspiracy theory, right? This has been going on, it's been in the news for quite a while now, and um, I think back to the days when Obama was in the White House and we had the Jade Helm exercises. Jade Helm was kind of a dry run for rounding up Americans and operating American internment camps. And the images and videos we saw back then were startling. They're basically showing us what they had in mind, what they planned to do. Now, in the middle of last year, the Center for Disease Creation published a document calling 
for what it calls the shielding approach to limit the interactions of high-risk and low-risk individuals under the COVID-19 hysteria. This document, which you can still find on the CDC website, states that the government will be voluntarily or involuntarily physically separating high-risk individuals from the general population. This is already happening in other countries. You just look at Australia or Canada. In Canada, they actually have internment camps in every province now. So this is not a conspiracy theory. In fact, according to the Canadian government, anyone who attempts to avoid detention in a government internment facility will face a million-dollar fine and three years in prison. Now, let me quote from the actual CDC statement here. It says, high-risk individuals would be temporarily relocated to safe or green zones established at the household, neighborhood, camp, sector, or community level, depending on the context and setting. They would have minimal contact with family members and other low-risk residents. Their plan is to place these people in these green zone internment camps for at least six months, but their policy is open-ended, allowing for internment to continue indefinitely. The document also states they'll need to provide counseling and psychological support for those they round up, and that individuals will not be allowed to take part in social, cultural, or religious practices, and they recognize they need to prepare for resistance. Indeed, they do. In other words, these are not about anyone's health. They're specifically designed to be re-education centers. Paul Craig Roberts noted that the term high-risk individuals is defined as the unvaccinated. So you'll be able to stay out of the camps simply by getting the jab, just like everything else. Now, John uh, Whitehead wrote an article on this back at the end of September, and I found it extremely interesting. Let me read just a few of the first sentences for you of that article, and then we'll bring him in. He wrote, it's no longer a question of whether the government will lock up Americans for defying its mandates, but when. This is what we know. The government has the means, the muscle, and the motivation to detain individuals who resist its orders and do not comply with its mandates in a vast array of prisons, detention centers, and FEMA concentration camps paid for with taxpayer dollars. Now, before I bring John in, does anybody besides me, have you picked up on this, have you noted that Obama did jade helm, and now we're talking about green zones? You know, the color jade is also green, right? I'm just saying. All right, so I've said enough. Let's bring John in. Welcome to the show. John Whitehead. Thank you, for having me on. Thank you for having me on. You know, I don't, I don't want to just speculate um, about all this or, or spread any more conspiracy theories. I want to know what you know, John. And, of course, we all know that this is not the first time that this has happened in American history. Well, I was a bit shocked in 2006 when the Bush administration announced that they were giving Kellogg, Brown, and Root, which is a subsidiary corporation of the Halliburton Corporation, $385 million to build detention facilities that would be administered by FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. And um, it was kind of interesting when I was reading about it because uh, when government is, and again, we're dealing with a government that for many years has been out of control, whether you believe that or not. You're talking to someone who has been doing this for 40 years. And I've been visited by a number of former NSA agents and people like that who tell me it's worse than you think, John. And there are serious things they tell me. But they set up, supposedly, they, they were going to build these camps starting in 20, 2006 for uh, supposedly an influx of immigrants, which is something they use, or to support the, the rapid development of new programs. And when I saw that phrase, rapid development of new programs, that means anything they want to do. Uh, if there happens to be a major upheaval in the United States, a tremendous economic breakdown. So uh, we at the Rutherford Institute called uh, Halliburton. We called Department of Homeland Security, who was working with Halliburton, and asked them where the camps were built, when they were built. We could not get an answer. They kept referring us back to Halliburton, back to Department of Homeland Security. They would not answer the question. Uh, I had a former NSA agent, however, tell me that they were they had been built and most of them are located on military bases. 
and they're ready for use uh, whenever the government needs to use them. And I think that uh, we have a government that I, uh, you know, I've written in my books, Battlefield America and the Government of Wolves, that's very paranoid about the American people. It's paranoid about anybody that in any way disagrees with the government. And um, they're ready to go. And this is another thing most people don't realize. This is, all I do is research this. And this has not been announced. This was leaked. Uh, at Fort Benning, Georgia, they've built a million-dollar city now, a training center. It's like a little city with buildings and stuff. Where is this? Where is Fort, this, John? Fort, Fort Benning, Georgia. Okay. With the infantry trained. By the way, I trained there. I was an infantry officer way back, about 40, 40 some years ago. Uh, where they, they, they said they were going, they were going to train for so-called domestic extremism or whatever. So supposedly police and the military are working together. And most people don't realize this, but uh, I dealing with, uh, you know, there are 80,000 SWAT team raids in America right now that occur annually where police are going through doors in the middle of the night. Uh, up to 500 dogs a day are killed. They shoot the dogs first. Uh, all kinds of disasters have happened. And I've written about them in my books, like Jose Carrera, the former veteran in Arizona. The police were doing a sweep of his neighborhood doing SWAT team raids, trying to find marijuana. They broke down his door in the middle of the night. He grabbed his only weapon he had in his home. Former veteran, decorated veteran, uh, grabbed his rifle, hunting rifle, rifle, stood at the end of the hall. He put his child and his wife behind him. The police entered, saw him, shot over 70 times and killed him. Believe it or not, no marijuana was found in his home. The funny thing about this, and you mentioned the mainstream media, um, they don't cover hardly any of this. You don't hear much of this about the mainstream media. They're, too, they're busy always talking about the new fad thing, whether it goes from COVID to climate change or whatever they're doing right now. And uh, as I've uh, illustrated to people in my books, uh, Carl Bernstein, who worked with Woodward and Bernstein to get all the information that finally led to uh, Richard Nixon leaving the White House, journalist. In 1977, he wrote a very detailed argument. He was freaked. He said when he started working with the other newspapers like New York Times and the national media, TV, he found out it was the NSA and CIA sitting in their offices vetting and changing articles and editing them. He said it blew his mind. He said this is not journalism. So – for many, many years, the American people are have been fed just a string, like a serpentine, going out and wrapping around you all this information they're feeding you. And what I'm telling people is you have to learn to think independently. You have to learn to do your own research. The average American watches 150 hours of television a month. If you're doing that, folks, you are blind. Your mind's not going to think at all if you, you know, as you're not thinking. And I'm telling people, turn off. I don't watch the mainstream news or any of that stuff. I do my own research on the side. I read books. I go on the internet and read articles by respectable journalists and stuff and get my information that way, research their footnotes. And what I say is, people say, well, I want to see some change in America. Well, education precedes action. So I'm telling people to get educated. But the point is, is that they are ready. Uh, there was a 2030 video, again, on something else that was leaked, uh, that the Pentagon put out several years ago where they're predicting. You can go to our website at rutherford.org, rutherford.org, and take a look at it. But it's predicting that by 2030, at least, this country's going to break down and martial laws must be implemented. And let me tell you something. They're ready to do it. In my opinion, in most United States, they can lock down the country. Uh, within 24 hours. Most people are going to go along with it, by the way, in America, uh, if you have the right reason, uh, depending on... Well, I think there are plenty of plenty of reasons they can pick from. You know, they can take their pick of reasons right now, oh, yeah. uh, especially give it another month or two when the supply chain really gets tight. Um, supplies start running short, and people are going to line up to walk into those FEMA camps and get their food rations. Exactly. For one thing. Here's the other thing, as I note in my books, um, when it happened in Nazi Germany, I mean, the people in the towns where the camps were located, they were happy to have the people because the, in the camps because they worked, produced products and stuff like that. But we have a private prison system that does the same thing today. You know, 
Most people don't realize it. The United States, the land of the free, has the largest prison population in the world. Where these all these private prisons now are making uh, women are actually in the field picking fruit and vegetables for companies like Walmart, making products for Microsoft, and it's they're making a lot of money off. It's one of the biggest industries in the United States. So we're we're in a very strange situation. But here's the thing: if a I would say a citizenry that thinks, actually thinks, in the true sense of the word, would be outraged by this. They would already be in the streets. And that's one thing that I've been trying to do for years is stand on the cliff and yell, hey, here it is, folks. Wake up. They're coming. They're here. And they're already already here. And I can tell you more stories of some of our cases, but it's a very difficult situation in the fact that you're, you're... masses of people out there are not listening right now they're they're up into the covid whatever you want to call it the next thing I, I, they're starting to push the climate change thing now they're shifting the stories and that's how the mainstream media stays in business shifting the stories so they can keep you watching keep you watching while they feed you while they feed you information and ads and they want your money and that's basically it they want control and they want your money Let's uh, let's bring Doug in here. I'm sure Doug has some questions that he'd like to uh, present. Um, put you on the spot. Yeah, I'm, yeah Doug, gotta un- unmute yourself. I, I, hey, sorry about that, uh, 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 Counselor. Thank you very much for uh, for that. You know, I, I, watching what happened after Hurricane Katrina, and uh, of course after one six the. redefinition of domestic terrorism, all of this. Um, And Merrick Garland's statement about uh, uh, domestic terrorists being just an incredible threat at this point. My question to you, and also one more thing about the uh, 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 patriots that that were incarcerated and still incarcerated in in, uh, Washington, D.C., under deplorable conditions, because of their actions on on one six, or, or their protests, uh, how how is the how is all of this connected with um, defunding the police initiatives? Uh, well, let me redirect that question. Is part of this an attempt to federalize the uh, the police forces? Is everything that we're seeing here uh, an attempt to federalize the police forces? Um, beyond what we've seen? Is, is this what's going on? In, or internationalize the police forces. Or, yes, that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, I think so. When I've, uh, I've worked with a lot of good police officers, uh, some of uh, police chiefs who have sat down with me, others who have actually spent some time with me as we consulted, have told me that the FBI is doing most of the training of the police chiefs now. Um and uh, different bases in the United States. And the FBI actually has, like in some of the large cities, they sit in the offices of the police departments and work with them. And if you followed anything that the FBI has done since its inception, uh, it's a pretty scary organization in the sense that uh, they watch everything. Uh, they, they're even going after our DNA now. Under their CODIS system, they have over 50 million examples of American DNA. And the Supreme Court, by the way, has put up with that. When you're pulled over today, they can grab a DNA sample and they got you. And by the way, two Russian scientists have come forward and said, watch out for the DNA. It can be faked. They can make you a criminal. They can actually fake your DNA at a crime scene, uh, the government can, and then arrest you and put you in jail. So we're in that kind of territory right now. And what I'm seeing is, uh, especially when we saw some of the riots with Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, with all these National Guardsmen coming in and working with the local police, I, I said, gee, that's the military. But if you look at some of the average policemen in the big cities, let's say New York City, when I've traveled there, I see the policemen standing on the street corner in black outfits, Kelvar helmets, bulletproof breasts, bulletproof breasts, and huge AK-47 rifles. And I'm going, wait a minute here, protect and serve? Or should we be afraid? And when you try to talk to them, they basically push you away. Um, so 
there's a whole different mentality. When I was a young man, to give you an example, the, I lived in Illinois in a small town. The next door neighbor was the police chief. One day I asked him, he never carried a weapon. I said, Scotty, you know, I was in high school. How come you never carry a gun? He goes, I don't want to shoot anybody, John. And he walked off. You don't see that today. You just don't see it. And you don't hear it. Uh, there's this idea that they can come to your door and do knock and talks now and bang on your door. This is all militarized stuff. And people are getting shot in the middle of the night. And red flag gun laws going after your guns. I mean, the Second Amendment says we have a right to have a gun. Why are they banging on the door in the middle of the night to get them? So it's, uh, we're seeing this happen all over the country, and people are scared to death. Uh, of police, but should you be afraid of the police? If you're afraid of the police, you don't live in a free country. You're, who pays their salary? I keep telling people this. You pay their salary. You're the master. Take control. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would say that very much so the police are, are, are being federalized and internationalized is another example, too. The UN is working with us uh, in different cities now. They have UN offices actually working with local authorities and the police. So what the elite want is basically a global environment. And with the Internet, it's moving rapidly in that direction. Most people do not realize that the NSA, which is a nefarious group, by the way, has its Five Eyes program. They have bases all over the world. They're circling the globe now. And they work with Google. And Google works with China and uh, and Japan. You know, United States is $30 trillion in debt. Who do they owe the money to? Does anybody know? China and Japan. We owe China, a company that rounds up people and putting them in detention camps? We're, we're taking money from those kind of people? I mean, I mean, if, if I took the money from a mafia group, I'd be arrested in two seconds. Uh, we take money from a group that puts people in concentration camps like that, takes Christians away and locks them up. What are we doing in this country? And we, we Google sets and works with them and all these groups. So we're in, uh, I want to use the word hell of a mess. We're in a hell of a mess, you know, and there's all, there, there is some hope, I think. I always see hope. I'm a Christian. I think there's hope in people who, who believe that they have inner freedom and they can reflect that inner freedom outside in society. But you can't do it by sitting inside, staring at, at somebody's, a tube with, with uh, talking heads and not doing anything. And that's how I'm training young people. The other thing is I've really noticed, and this is scary to me, being a, a constitutional lawyer, the average American, 73% of the population in a recent poll, cannot tell you how many amendments are in the Bill of Rights. Ten, folks, takes 462 words. They're the most important documents in the world. Here they are, folks. Freedom, First Amendment, you have free speech, you have a right to protest, you have a right to own a weapon. Oh, the Fourth Amendment, what does it say? Uh, you can't ha- uh, do surveillance on American citizens unless you have a warrant or they're doing something wrong. Well, the NSA now downloads uh, billions of our phone calls every day. All our emails, they're watching everything, and they're doing it with local police. And is anybody objecting? I mean, the kids in the public schools today do not know the Bill of Rights. They don't read the Declaration of Independence. So our country is going backwards. We're moving back in time to a time when oppression was the rule instead of time when freedom was the rule. Well, we're definitely being watched, John. Um, We've got, uh, you know, we've got Alexa. We don't, but people do. We've got these robotic vacuum cleaners that actually – uh, map out the uh, floor plan of your house and upload it to the cloud. So we're being watched. I mean, we're, we're doing it to ourselves. Facial recognition cameras. Uh, are I don't know if people over. realize that. Yeah. Cameras are everywhere. Facial recognition software, the drones flying overhead, which most people don't see can actually pick up your face two miles up in the air and track yeah. you. And Google's tracking everywhere you're going. So everybody's being tracked. I have some friends who said, well, I'm, I, I'm tired of this crap. I'm moving to the woods. And I said, well, if you take your laptop or your cell phone, no use moving to the woods, dude. <laughs> well, so you know what the FBI has said? They can turn your cell phone on from a distance. It becomes, um, to them, a microphone, and your laptop becomes a camera. They can watch you, at least to a certain degree. But you're right in our, our homes with Amazon 
key recognition devices on the front door. Those are fed directly to the local police, by the way. Amazon works with local police, feeding all who's coming to your door, who's leaving, et cetera. Um, you know, if we lived in a country that actually believed in morality and truth, and we got out and spoke it to people on the streets, we got out and talked to people and gave them the knowledge that they need to, to have, we could be doing a lot of good things. But getting people to do anything today and getting them out of their homes, the lockdown, by the way, virtual education, all that stuff. I mean, we have basically semi-robots teaching our kids. We're really in a bad mix. We need humans. Digital people are not human. And that's one thing that I'm really uh, uh, nervous about is keeping humanists in the human race. We need to stay human, folks. We need to, to care for one another. And that's the key. People ask me, why do you think you're on the planet, on the planet here, Whitehead? Why are you here? I go, because I'm here to help others. That's why I do what I do. It makes no sense otherwise. I'm not here to watch TV. I'm not here to listen to my cell phone or blab all day or just sleep. I'm here to get out and do something to help this country, to help this society, and hopefully the world eventually. Amen. Uh, John, tell us uh, uh, about this uh, database that you wrote about uh, since the 1980s. It's called Main Core. Uh, tell us what you know about that. It's a uh, database used by the Army, the Pentagon, which would mean the FBI, FEMA, all the, all the groups have access to it. It has up to 8 million names on it. It's called Main Core, and it's people who will be rounded up in times of distress. Uh, I honestly believe there's more than 8 million names in the database. Um, but it's people who are dissidents, extremists, and an extremist today, as the Department of Homeland Security has basically come out and said, is someone who opposes the COVID mandates. You're an extremist. Conspiracy, conspiracy theory. If you disagree with the government, if you believe in the Bill of Rights and advocate the Bill of Rights, you're an extremist. And uh, we've had cases with people who have been rounded up. You know, most people don't realize this. This is something that shocked me. When we had a case for a young Marine who got rounded up, he was 26 years old, on his home on a Saturday morning in Virginia. He was typing. He heard some noise. He went to the front door and he saw the police coming up and people in black suits and black ties. They were the FBI, Department of Homeland Security. And uh, the reason they came to his home, because he was this was when Obama was in office. He was attacking Obama. They Obama should be arrested for treason. And he was definitely a conspiracy theorist. And they arrested him, took him to the police station. They even smashed him against the fence. He wasn't resisting. And he asked for a Band-Aid. Our Band-Aid put on his back. They put a prison shirt on. He said about killed him. He had a five-minute conversation with a psychiatrist in a cell, a jail cell. And the psychiatrist said he had severe problems psychologically, mainly because he was a 9-11 truther. And he had a small hearing uh, in front of a, a judge who didn't know what he was doing, and he was put in the mental hospital. It's called civil commitments. 1.5 million people a year disappear into mental hospitals based on civil commitments. Now, what saved him, his mother called us crying. ACLU, all the groups would not touch this case. They said, Civil commitment. Sorry, we they backed off. I said, it sounds nuts. We got a law firm. We worked with him. In a week, we got him out. And uh, the point is, is that they, they already have their detention camps in a certain sense of the word. And if you got 1.5 million people a year being rounded up and put in psychiatric wards for nefarious, so-called nefarious things like this guy, uh, we already have the camps. They're there. They're operating. And they infuse them with drugs and stuff. I remember he called me from the psychiatric ward and said, John, they're trying to give me drugs. And I'm telling him, I don't want them. I don't want them. And the psychiatrist was listening. And I said, you have to have a warrant and a judge approve this before they give you the drugs. And he doesn't have that. And we're going to sue him. And two days later, he got out of the, the, the clinker. But there's a lot of things going on in America. Like I say, the mainstream media is not telling you. When you that is frightening. Just think about that. For being an extremist on the web, you could actually get locked up and put away in a psychiatric ward. Well, 
Maybe. Nowadays, nowadays, all you have to do is go to a school board meeting and uh, be upset with a transgender straight. Uh, so, just disagreeing with the government, you're an extremist. Yes. Yeah. So, um, how many, John? How many? How many of uh, these camps do you think there are? I, I I located a map. Maybe we can put put that up there for people to look at. This is what I found. Does that look accurate? Probably so. Any, anywhere you have a, a military base located, and they're all over the country, yeah. And some of them, um, people have told me they've seen them. They're in isolated areas way out in the woods, some of them. So I would say yes, that's pro- probably accurate. And um, it's just think about this for a second, though. What kind of people would do this, have a main core, Label you an extremist because you disagree with the government and they live in America. What type of people? Are they insane? Well, there was a 2014 study done by Northwestern University and several other universities, by the way, uh, where they studied where psychopaths congregated in America. After a detailed study, they came to the conclusion, Washington, (laughs) D.C. That's true. Washington, D.C. And mm-hmm. they came to the conclusion, this is their quote, America's ruled by an oligarchic elite of 585 billionaires. Who, like I say, they want to keep their little mansions, they want to keep their money, their control, and they don't care about the average person. They're not there for that. They've, uh, the root, what is the root of all, all evil? The love of money. And they're in the money. And most people don't realize this during the COVID, all this COVID stuff, the top uh, 12, 13 billionaires in this country increased their wealth by over $300 billion. They make money off of everything while we are begging for government handouts, <clears throat> all kinds of things. We don't have jobs, homelessness, going bananas in this country. You don't realize there are 5,000 federal laws in this country and 300,000 federal regulations. I mean, we help people all the time. I mean, groups that want to help feed the homeless, the police arrest them and put them out of business, saying you can't do that. This is America, you know. This is what we're here for, folks. And but you know, fighting it on all fronts. It's it's uh, to the point now where people don't seem to care about one another anymore. Uh, when you have people fighting over toilet paper in a store, I mean, we've reached the point where. Some comedians of the past will be rolling on the floor laughing, going, it's surely a joke, right? Yeah, you couldn't write this stuff. You really couldn't. No. Doug, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got a question uh, about main core and about the uh, database of 8 million. Uh, John, what would that look like? I mean, I, I'm trying to work this out in my head where... I'd like to see where I'm listed, Doug. I'd like well, to see what, yeah, my, yeah, what, my, sure. what they've got on me. <laughs> page like one or two but uh, yeah. uh but, but what, what would this look like how how would they be able to pull that off especially with today where people are starting to rise up and say you know what this is just this is bogus you know at school boards now we're seeing some pushback we're seeing some pushback what would the attempted um incarceration or or um, you know arrest and incarceration of of some eight million look like um, how would that play out well, I don't think they'd arrest eight million at a time. What they do now is, and I've talked to some insiders that tell me this stuff, uh, the local police now watch all of the social media, and they're into pre-crime now, very much pre-crime. If you've seen the movie Minority Report, Philip K. Dick, uh, the great writer, predicted all of this was coming about, uh, pre-crime, as it's called. And uh, they're trying to round up. I mean, in Washington, D.C., uh, they arrested quite a few people not too long ago, but an MIT Harvard study showed that 94% of the people that were rounded up and they were ch- charged with the possibly committing a serious crime or violent crime, 94% were found not guilty, but they were rounded up. And their name will forever be on that list of people in Maine Corps. And it's not just Maine Corps, by the way. Uh, the NSA has its own list. I mean, the NSA downloads, two, like I said, 2 uh, billion emails daily. They're watching everything you're doing. Google and Amazon, uh, Facebook and groups like that actually work with 
the 17 intelligence agencies and maintaining their intelligence cloud. I mean, all this information they have on everybody. It's Listen, there's a bubble surrounding us all, folks. Everybody listening to this, you have a file. You are a suspect. We live in a suspect society. Uh, they have a new technique now. It's a, it's a app that the, that the police use called Shadow Dragon. And what it does is, what it what used to take 120 days to collect the information takes like two hours now. It goes over the internet and downloads everything into a tremendous file, your views, what you think, where you've been. What political rallies did you go to? What shows? Are you are you watching Mr. Rob Pugh today? You know, and that would put you on the list. So it doesn't take much. And this is like I say, this has been going on for years. The FBI back in the 1950s, if you know, people, most people don't remember their history, was rounding up people for just writing a letter to a newspaper saying, I disagree. They were labeled leftists. I mean, people like Ernest Hemingway, uh, Frank Sinatra wrote one letter, and he was upset by something the government was doing, was put on the FBI watch list. Bunch of celebrities just because they spoke out. And these were all you know, fairly decent people. Uh, so, again, um, listen, all the FBI statistics and reports show that America right now has one of the lowest crime rates ever. Now, here's the question. Why in the world are they watching everything we're doing? Why? And who's doing it? And <clears throat> people, again, do your research. Google ha announced years ago their singularity program to be complete by 2029, where the human mind is going to fuse with the internet, and they're going to be able to read it. Eric Schmidt said it, the head of Google. He said, I will know what you're thinking before you think it. And most people are going to be hooked right into the internet, and you're going to be fed uh, all your information by artificial intelligence are robotic creatures. In fact, one major person just left Google and said they're creating God. He's supposed to free. So, so this this, uh, this surveillance software is called Shadow Dragon, if anyone wants to research that further. It's dangerous stuff. I mean, it's amazing what the police have now, watching everything you're doing, where you're moving. License plate readers, downloading 600 uh, license plate images an hour, the police drive by. And, they can, and then they track you with drones, facial recognition. It all comes together. And listen, here's the key to being a human, privacy. We have very little privacy anymore. I mean, when I'm in my home, I tell, you know, again, I don't have Amazon anything because I would not have that in my home. I don't want anybody listening to what I'm saying. But I know the cell phone's listening. I know that once I've done this, this is what blows blew my mind not too long ago. I was talking about some subject matter. About 20 minutes later, I actually wanted to check my email, blah, 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 and there it was. There was some advertisements for what I was talking about. Oh, that's happened to us numerous times. It's itching you. But here's the thing. You have robots watching us now, robotic entities. And these robotic entities, they're not human. I mean, when if they take you away to a concentration camp or camp, they're not that, that the so-called entities are not going to object. The only thing you have is humans, and that's why I'm saying the biggest challenge we have right now is keeping humanness in the human race and keeping our privacy. And I think we could make some headway if people in their local communities would get together and take over those local governments and say we've had enough. We're canceling those SWAT teams unless there's an exigent circumstance, and basically you'd need that. Uh, we're getting rid of the facial recognition software on our street corners. We're getting rid of all that in our neighborhoods. They even have them in neighborhoods now. And pull back on this stuff. You can do it. But getting in people to do even think like that is very, very difficult. Well, until they have to. Uh, there's coming that day. You know, back, you, you mentioned the, uh, the police being uh, militarily weaponized. Um, a few years ago when we lived in a smaller town, probably 18,000 people, our local police department got a, uh, basically a tank. It was an armored vehicle, heavily, heavily weaponized tank. Yes, yeah. What do we need this for in a town this size? 
when the cops do nothing but write speeding tickets and parking tickets. Um, but we got our tank, and that was right during Jade Helm. So they, uh, your local communities now have MRAPs. They have all the Kelvar helmets. They have sniper rifles. They have stingrays. The police have a stingray device that fits in their car. It's a little box. They drive up in front of your house, sit for a few minutes, download everything on your computer and your cell phone, and drive off. Uh, wow. They have all this information right now. And I've written about it. It's in the books that uh, you flash on the screen, Gun of the Wolves and Battlefield America. I would, uh, if I was a mayor of a town, I would pull the police in and say, get rid of that right now. Don't you be pulling it in front of anybody's house. Why? What does the Fourth Amendment say? The Fourth Amendment says the government should not be watching you during surveillance unless they have evidence of a crime or a warrant from a judge saying who's looked at the situation and that they can do it. When you have uh, watching your social media accounts and tracking you and stuff like that, uh, listen, you're talking to someone that does this all the time and I'm out there. When I go to some meeting and police are there sometimes, the police look at me when they, when they, when they, sh- they meet me and say, this is John Whitehead. They kind of step back and go, mm, okay. And <laughs> so they say he's against it. I'm not against the police. I'm against unconstitutional activity. And most people don't realize it's unconstitutional activity. And that's what's going to keep, the only thing that's going to keep us free is knowing those bill of rights. And again, we give away, I give away a pocket constitution for any amount of donation, keep this thing. And they do work, by the way. We had a fellow that we were, that called me and said, John, it works, your bill of rights card. I said, oh, it is. What did you do? He was on the street corner, I think in New York City, I think that's where he was at. Had a picket sign. He was down with something. Two cops showed up, got out of the car, and walked toward him and said, what are you doing out here, man? He said, I'm exercising my First Amendment rights. They said, what? And he read them the First Amendment, and they went, okay. They got in their car and drove off. Hmm. They, they don't know it. They don't you know, know I, used to have, I used to have a, uh, the Bill of Rights on a little business card-sized piece of metal. And it was metal, and it was made specifically – for you to put in your pocket and take through the TSA screeners so that when they objected to you having your piece of metal in your pocket, you could say, here you go. I'm handing you my, my civil rights. (laughs) Take them. But you know, just to to make them think, but you know, I never had the guts to actually go through with that, but I I did have that little metal bill of rights. We've helped quite a few military veterans, by the way, and I'm really concerned about them. Uh, with this Operation Vigilant Eagle, if you haven't heard of it, let me tell you about it. It's a program run by the Department of Homeland Security and the Pentagon. They watch all returning veterans now. They track wherever they go, what they do. Uh, I've had one I uh, actually knew who did an email. It was three sentences, by the way. I asked him why they were – I saw some helicopters in our local community, and I said, hey, what are they doing? He wrote back and said, oh, they're conducting uh, exercises in the hills that – because it simulates Afghanistan. The next day, two FBI agents showed up at his door with their guns and told him that if he did any more emails like that, they would deport him and take him out of the United States. Mm-hmm. He came into my office crying. Uh, but the, this happens to a lot of people they don't know to come see me. Because I write a letter, and, you know, basically a legal letter and say, back off or we're going to sue you. Once they are outed, they back off and go away. And but most people do not realize you have that. And the thing is, is that, again, uh, airport, uh, air, uh, a guy who went to the Air Force Academy, a pilot, a real a decorated pilot, over and over again, came into my office, and uh, he, he was being tracked by the government watch. And I said, what did you do? And he said, well, when he left the government, he left, he said, I cannot serve in the military anymore. He said he, he went by some fields in Afghanistan. They were opium fields. He said they were being guarded by American troops. He went to his command and started screaming about it. They moved him out of the military because he couldn't fly anymore. Uh, so we're in a situation right now where we people who have the problems that we see should be coming out, should be talking about it, should be getting involved in their local governments and making a difference in other people's lives. And that's what we need. And like I said, you can set your home high and all that, but that's not going to do you any good. If you studied Nazi Germany, that didn't do anybody any good. When they got ready to get you, they came to the door and knocked and took you away. And we're facing that. I'd say we have five to ten years of maybe minimal freedom left in this country. 
the way things are moving and the way the government's talking with Google and all this stuff they're talking about and artificial intelligence, the militarized police, the lack of respect for the citizens of America. I mean, and I think most Americans are going to go to sleep. I mean, we're in the matrix. All those films that were made that gave us warnings were there already. And the question is, can we make a difference? Yes, we have a little time left to breathe. John, do you think the uh, the FEMA declaration that they made, or CDC uh, last year, about uh, putting this all into action over the vaccines, you think that's going to actually materialize? If, uh, again, if it gets to the point where the, they can get the American public to support it, yeah. And they're going to need a crisis. The government lives, the present government we have right now lives off a crisis. They well, they're using, yeah, I mean, they're using exactly. COVID as, as the means exactly. to an end. So Certain areas, I think they could probably pull it off for a while anyway, until mm-hmm. people like me started screaming and lawsuits were filed. And, um, but any local community that would allow that, shame on them. And that's why programs like this are important. I hope the people listening to this program will go back into their communities tomorrow and start working because the federal government is not going to listen to you. Again, the federal government, the so-called deep state, is run by people who won't care about one thing, money, power, and control. And they lie to you. To control well, you. it's already happening in Canada. Just across oh, yeah. the border. So uh, uh, we had. Yeah, go ahead, Doug. Yeah, I, and I think uh, one one more thing. One reason it hadn't happened here is because Americans are some are getting they're seeing the uprising, and uh, what I tell them is, as long as you get down those beings and you stay peaceful, that's once you get violent, that gives them the excuse to get violent and blast you away and say these people are crazy. But some of the actions I'm seeing right now are stalling it, and that's the that's why I keep saying. Get together in groups, school board meetings, city council meetings, picketing, and show these people that we're not going to put up with it, folks. We're going to back you down. Uh, uh, exactly. And, and my, my question to you, and I thought of this, uh, you know, just so people people know. I mean, it, uh, John uh, John's books are great. I was I was referencing or I was reading uh, uh, the Government of Wolves when I when I. Uh, um, when I got this invitation to come on, but well, let me ask you, what is the object, uh, objective behind the Capitol police being sent into uh, different States? I mean, and how was that even constitutional, but, but primarily what's the objective there um, that, that we saw Nancy Pelosi, uh, Congress say, yeah, okay, go ahead. Capitol police going to Florida, Capitol police going to, uh, to California. What's that about? And, and is that even constant? It's not constitutional. I, I don't think I'm not an attorney, but it doesn't seem that way. What's they the raised, uh, you raised it earlier. There are national, they want, they're willing to nationalize the police. They don't want local police. Uh, they want a web of police so that wherever you go, you can be grabbed immediately. And so you can be tracked. That's why the license plate readers, the stingray devices, the NSA uh, working with the local police, uh, Google and all that stuff, giving them all these apps that they can track wherever you go. So they won't know wherever you go. They want to be able to watch you and grab you at that point. And at this point in time, they have the power to do that, in my opinion, initially, unless there's people like the Rutherford Institute. And we're one of the few groups out there that actually will fight some of this stuff. Uh that's that's it. But they do want a national police. They do not want local police. They do not want local governments. No. And the, is this, the is this part of uh, the the defund the police uh, program? They yeah. Well, it, I think it was a threat. The defund the police was a threat. The police to say either either move in with us or get out. We're coming. We have the power. It was a threat. I think. And. Um, I saw with the National Guard and some of these uh, military groups working with local police. When I see that, you know, I wrote a commentary last year objecting to that, saying, don't be doing that. We need local police. And uh, what it blows my mind sometimes, I've done research on local police in some of the bigger cities. And, and like Baltimore, 70% of the so-called local police don't even live in the city. And like 50% live out of state. The key to local police is they should be in that community. 
you should be able to be their neighbor. They should know you. And <clears throat> that's already dissolving in the big cities. They're not local police anymore. And they work with the FBI and all those groups. So we've already moved out of that in most of the big cities in America. If I can throw one more question in, if you don't mind. To yeah. what extent uh, uh, we see police uh, enforcing these government mandates, uh, specifically mask mandates or um, things like that, which, again, constitutionally, you know, it just doesn't appear to be constitutional. Again, I'm not a lawyer. Um, uh, is this is, is that just about compliance? Is, is this a test of, about compliance for the mask mandates and the uh, uh, vax passports and such? Um, or, I, I mean, is there is there more to that or is it just face value? You know, hey. The, the, you know, the, the government or the uh, state government said to do this. Uh, the federal government said to do this. So we're just enforcing the wishes of the uh, people in charge. But what, I mean, or, or is, I mean, I, I just it blows my mind that 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 I'm, we're even talking about this. But what's behind well, that? The so-called pharmaceutical government we're under right now. Um, Again, 585 billionaires run the government. Most of them are connected to the pharmaceutical industry now, and they make a lot of money. They made a lot of money off of this uh, COVID-19 issue, and uh, that's a large part of it is money. They want money and uh, control, and they're running the government, basically. That's why you saw a lot of this, I think. I mean... It's amazing how much money the pharmaceutical companies have made. And with the vaccines and the increase of vaccines, again, there's been a lot of objections to what are in vaccines and stuff like that. I'm no scientist. I don't know. But the point is, is that uh, in the future, uh, they're going to have vaccines, I think, for every kind of disease you can name. So diseases where we used to be, you go to a doctor and you'd say, take a cold pill or take this pill. They're going to be shooting you full of vaccines. And that's the way it's headed for the future, I think. Kids today have already been indoctrinated into it totally. And compliance is one thing, obviously, yeah, but indoctrination into in, go in government we trust, not in God we trust. And that's another thing I'm telling people. The guy who wrote our Bill of Rights, which no one reads anymore, James Madison said, we ought to mistrust all those in power. And why do he say that? Because people in power regularly, regularly get out of hand. All it takes is a, a compliment to some people and they get giddy and change. I've seen it happen, by the way. I've I've been out of Washington, D.C. for 40 years, and it's like, I say, one of the most corrupt places I've ever seen. Uh, here's another thing, folks, that people don't realize. All across the United States, they have underground facilities now. If you don't, you want to read about one that, that we've written about called Mount Weather. The government has underground facilities where all their executives will go. One is Mount Weather. It has malls, shopping centers, food changes, and office of the presidency. They're located around the country. So in times of emergency, if something really happens, let's say they think that the American public is going to go bananas. They're going to go underground or there's a war or whatever. But listen to this. Think about this for a second. We, the taxpayer, are paying for that. They don't build them for us. We'll get blasted. We'll get killed, or whatever's going to happen, they'll be hiding underground and watching through their camera. Well, I actually got to see one, John, because when we were in Missouri, um, against my wife's uh, better uh, judgment, <laughs> I drove us, I, I drove us uh, a few miles out of our way and hunted one of those facilities down, and that we actually drove into it as far as we could before I chickened out and turned around and got out of there, but... Yeah, those things are massive and they are real. They're so. real, but they're for the elite. They're not for us. We the yeah. people. Yeah, we and, did not feel at home there. So, no, they're not for you. When I was in uh, Washington D.C. many years ago, talking to a congressman who I respected, he says, "I want to show you something, John. Are you ready for a treat?" And I went, "I'm not sure what you're talking about, but yeah, show me." We took us to these elevators with guards, and we went in the elevator, and we went down, 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 down. When he opened it, it was underneath the Capitol building. I walked out, and wow, tracks were moving. Little, what do you call it, buses moving, and people walking about with bags. And I went, what is this? 
he says, this is our facility. And I went, I didn't know you had this kind of thing here. And he goes, they're all over the place, John. Mm-hmm. And we went up and out I went. But uh, I actually saw, and I was going, I'm paying for this, but they'll leave me to high and dry because they don't care about me. But see, that's how they view the American people. And it's unfortunate, but uh, listen, we have an inner freedom. Again, I keep saying that. Let's express it. Let's get out there, talk about the Bill of Rights. Let's get down to your school board and say, hey, how come you're not teaching the Bill of Rights in our school anymore? Why not you read the Declaration of Independence? Well, the preamble of the Declaration of Independence says, hey, if we want to, we're going to take the government and toss it away. <laughs> People like Thomas, why are they taking down statues of Thomas Jefferson in New York City now? Read what he had to say. I can kick butt. I don't like government when I get ready. I'll kick butt. He was asked one way. He was asked once, what was the best way to take a walk, Mr. Jefferson? He says, with your rifle. Um, These are the kind of people they don't want anymore. They don't want you reading their philosophy. They weren't perfect folks, no. And again, if you, and I'll say this, if you go the wrong way, uh, if you do what John F. Kennedy said, I'm going to take the CIA and toss it, tear it up and toss it to the winds, two months later he was dead. Martin Luther King was going to shut Washington, D.C. down nonviolently. He was shot with a hollow point bullet in his head, just like Kennedy. But here's the key, and the people don't realize this. Department of Homeland Security bought 1.6 million hollow point bullets about eight years ago for all their federal, federal agents. When I was in the military, an army officer, I could not use hollow point bullets. They were considered cruel and inhuman. Those old contact, they expand and blow your, like blow your arm off. Or if you've seen the Kennedy assassination, his head went off on the back. That's the kind of government we're dealing with. They'll give hollow point bullets to their agents, 175,000 of them, by the way. Roaming the country, and I, I, I'm not supposed to have them. What's the deal? Well, folks, we have been talking about the uh, the FEMA cancer on the country. Uh, before we go, John, I I just want to let you know. Last week, we were ab- able to obtain a uh, a health department order uh, for quarantine. So. Here's something to consider. Why do we need FEMA camps when we can quarantine people in their own homes? But this is this is really drastic. This is a small, very rural county uh, near us, mainly Mennonite and Amish people. But uh, some of the some of the things on this uh, uh, quarantine order, you must not leave your home at any time unless you have received prior written authorization from the CCHD to do so. In order to ensure that you strictly comply with a quarantine order, the CCHD or persons authorized will monitor you. If you prove to not comply with this order, a quarantine officer may be placed at your home until your quarantine order has ended. And if you fail to comply with this quarantine order, you may be ordered to be quarantined in a more restrictive facility. So there's more to this, but, but yeah. we got a hold of this document last week and, and talked about it on the show. Oh, they're there. So they're, it's they're these, it's, yeah. Here we have the local county health officers uh, really acting as, uh, as uh, tyrants. Using the local police to round you up. They're SWAT yeah. teams, yeah. if yeah. you yeah. Uh, disagree. And like I say, they have the um, MRAPs, which are those... Uh, Tanks on wheels. They've got all the equipment, folks. And uh, I've had a few friends of mine say, "I'm getting, we're getting our guns and getting ready." Well, I'm telling them, you better watch out. They'll blow you away in two seconds if you raise a gun toward them. They've been yeah. doing that all over the country. So, uh, wise, uh, peaceful activity does work. Again, Martin Luther King was not perfect, but he was wise in how he approached the civil rights matter. And too wise, in a sense, because like I say, his family believes they blew him away, and I agree with that, the way he was shot. And uh, if you get too effective, watch out. That's what I'm saying. But uh, if you really believe in what you're doing, keep doing it, and we can change things. We can change things on the local level. What's the Tenth Amendment say? Local government can nullify acts of the federal government. Throw the federal government out of your communities and take charge, folks, of your freedoms. Amen. 
John Rutherford, or John Whitehead of the Rutherford Institute. Sorry, I get you guys confused. The, the, the Rutherford Institute, it's rutherford.org. Thanks for joining us, uh, John. Thank and you. Thank, thank you, Doug. Thanks, Sorry, we didn't, we didn't have time to get into our audience today, but we will uh, next week, I'm sure. And uh, next week, uh, Dr. Mike Spaulding will be with you. And he's got a fantastic guest and a fantastic uh, topic next week that you will not want to miss. I'll be back in three weeks with my guest, Bill Federer from the American Minute. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.